And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, startups, seal entrepreneurship, you name it. Um, Shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Without our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to do this show for free and get it out to all of you guys. Today's guest is from Las Vegas, Sandy Donovan. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me today, Andrew. You're welcome. And um, I told her I was a little bit under the weather, so if you hear me sneezing or coughing or something, you guys just bear with me. We're not going to stop the show. (laughs) But Sandy... uh, you know, your business is called the email lady. And I know that, you know, if you're in e-commerce, you're probably doing a lot of things, even if that's the case, like, you know, with your name being so focused. But before we get into what you guys are doing today, can we go back to like, you know, your origin story and kind of like, did you always know you're going to be in e-commerce? Did you know you're going to be a business owner? Um, you know, what was your focus in school? For me, it was uh, networking and security, completely different arena than where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, I like just getting to know, you know, our guests and, and sharing kind of how this, how you became an entrepreneur. Yeah. So it definitely, I think like everybody, it's not a straight path. So this question is always hard for me to answer because I'm always like, well, there's starting point A or starting point B or kind of where were we? But I kind of look at my starting point when uh, it was around 2012, 2013. And I was a single mom. I had a toddler at the time. Um, And if you have kids, whether you have a partner or in lots of help or not, you know, they take up a lot of time, right? And they also take up a lot of money. So I was both time broke and money broke. Uh, I was working as a a communication instructor at a community college. Um, That was my, that was what I studied in school. I have a master's in communication, um, you know, so I was working that and then I had to pick up another job. And so I was tutoring and then I had to pick up another job for, I was doing sales, advertising sales for a local magazine. Um, and when that still wasn't working and I was now completely out of time and not much better off for money, that's when I was like, you know, if I am going to work this hard, I want to build something for me. I want to build something that's mine. Um, I don't want to continue to keep going and putting in all these hours and like barely see the needle move. So that's where I was at. But again, with no time and no money, it makes starting a business pretty tough. Um, So that's when I really found e-commerce because what I really wanted to do was have some sort of passive income. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot. I wasn't looking to just, you know, hit a switch and let the money roll in. But I wanted to make sure that my time was leveraged. That was just the really important thing for me. So e-commerce sounded like probably the best bet there because I knew that I could have a site that was doing something for me when I wasn't. 
So that was my first kind of dip my toe into e-commerce. So I found, um, I, you know, I, I found someone to help me out with that, like a mentor. I took a course, you know, did all those things, and I ended up opening up a store. It I, we were selling. Um, I don't know how much you would know about this, Andrew, but no, like, bring it. <laughs> women, when they're getting ready for their wedding, like a bride usually wears, um, like, you know, match your robes with your bridesmaids and all this kind of stuff. Yep. So that's what I was selling. We were embroidering them so that um, they were all like personalized and cute and all that stuff. I worked with a brand that did that. So oh, did you? they were called the Classy Bride out of LA. Oh, cool. Um, just a couple of sisters that were like, you know, creating his and hers and that kind of stuff. So I know more about those products probably than I should. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I, I didn't, I didn't think you would, but yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was what I started, um, doing and I had that business for a few years and it was, I mean, I remember the first time I made a sale when I wasn't physically, you know, the first few sales, you're I asleep and a, you wake up, right. And yeah, it's like well, ding or something. For me, I was I was on the playground with my son, and I was watching him roll down the grass hill, and I was just kind of like enjoying the afternoon. And yeah, you hear that Shopify um, thing. thing, yeah, go off, and it's like, ooh, <laughs> what just happened? Um, yeah, no, I know exactly that feeling, and you know what it reminds me of? I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you've got mail, like yeah. that, like you remember that movie with like, yeah. uh, and I just remember like when it first came out when email first did start coming out, it was like super exciting to look in your email inbox and like see one, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what it's recreated is like, Oh, I woke up and I had two sales and it's like, you know, they could be $14. It doesn't matter. It's the first time you made money while you're playing with your son at the park. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or while you're sleeping, while you're out to dinner. Well, I mean, whatever. It's just, yeah, it was a whole super new cool. world. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but I, to be honest with you, totally screwed that business up. Um, so I made a huge mistake in trying to use someone to do the embroidery and then ship it right from there instead. Because originally I was like taking everything, going to, I was working with an embroiderer. So I was going to an embroiderer, like getting everything out. I was like doing everything myself, but then it was too slow. Like it just, it was taking too long. She Get orders like, out and everything. Yeah. I mean, she just wasn't, she wasn't big enough to like, it, it was a couple days turnaround. It was like a lot of back and forth and me running back and forth to her. And it was just too much. So I tried to move it somewhere where, um, this person was going to be, you know, he had a much bigger shop. He was able to like do things a lot faster and we arranged it so that I would send him the order and then he would, uh, you know, do everything and send it out. Well, he ended up totally ghosting me at some point. And he had all of my, almost all of my uh, inventory. Um, it really sucked. And I didn't really have the money to like. Start over. Yeah. You know, so, and besides that, I was getting bad reviews about like things taking too long at this point. Because even before he ghosted me, it was like it was starting to take like two weeks for him to do it. Or I don't know what the issue was. I still to this day don't know what the issue was, but that's what happened. Um, at that point I had already kind of known that while I loved a lot of aspects of, e of, uh, e-commerce, I did not like the whole, um, I wasn't good at organizing the whole logistics of like 
getting the product and do like the whole anything that happens physically in front of me like that, I wasn't good at. I love the marketing aspect of it. And that was pretty much I should have known that going into it because that's, you know, I studied communication. I had always been in sales and marketing. I, that was like kind of already my life. So it shouldn't have been a shock, but that was my lesson learned was that I wanted to do marketing. And I really wanted at that point, one of my main goals was I really wanted to help other women own businesses mm. like e-commerce, because to me, there's a lot on a plate when you're a woman, especially when you're a mom, there is just so much on your plate. And a lot of times, you know, you want to work, you, you want to have these other things, but it's also like it's hard to, to be in the corporate world and the nine to five or whatever, and still kind of balance all that. And I feel like e-commerce really is the perfect kind of solution to that. Um, and I feel like it's empowering to have your own thing. So yeah. that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to help other people do that. Lots happened in between, but anyway, I ended up, um, copywriting and doing email mark, mostly email marketing and eventually moved to open up the email lady um, in early 2020, right before everyone decided that they needed to be in e-commerce as well. Uh, so that's kind of how we got there. Well, let's let's back up just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> how are you getting your first clients? Like, you know, one thing I think about with email is, um, you know, you can build lists, right? You can obviously build lists and then email them. Um, but otherwise it's like you're getting customers, then you collect their email and then you can like, you know, retain them later. Um, but why'd you go into email and like, how are you getting clients in the early days of like, you know, doing that as a freelancer? So originally this is way, way, way back when, um, what was before, was it, it was before Upwork, it was Odesk and what mm, was the other Elance. one? Elance. Yeah, that's it. Um, so that's where I started. I mean, because again, I really had no money to be like advertising or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where I started. I had tried those platforms actually a couple times before, like before I looked at just, and I did like really weird things. Like I was writing eulogies for people at some point, like just like, cause I mean, those I write, you know, like that was what I did. I, I wrote and I was just trying to find like, well, what Side do people hustles, need? Yeah. yeah. So that was where I started. Um, I still, honestly, I still get a lot of clients on Upwork. Like I'm a fan of Upwork. I know a lot of people are not, but I am. Um, so yeah, that's how I initially, that and LinkedIn, like honestly, just like reaching out to people and connecting with e-com store owners and seeing like, Hey, you know, you need help with email. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you need? So that was kind of how it started. And then again, it just, it started picking up a lot. Uh, March, April, May, June of 2020, when people were really starting to be like in panic mode, um, who had like retail stores and stuff that. Yeah. They, they started to going to like focus on their e-com, right? They were like, I do believe like 2020 was a hard year for us too at Marknology. Um, we didn't lose a lot of our clients that we had. We lost a few, but we weren't really gaining any either. They weren't like new initiatives. Like, you know, let's take on Amazon. It was like, if they were already there, they were trying to operate. And it did feel like we finally got their attention. Like who's, whoever's on that side of the business was like, finally like, okay, let's actually give e-commerce some attention. Um, so they're taking on different initiatives. Uh, 
but since then, so we had 2020, right? Where the sales were up, but like my agency sales weren't up, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So like sales and e-commerce were up for all the brands we were running. Agency sales weren't up. 2021, agency sales went up, but it got super hard to like beat 2020's numbers, uh, at least for us, like to go beat those numbers because you're always trying to grow. Yeah. So people from the outside don't really understand some of the complexities that were happening just from, you know, when you don't have a benchmark of like, this is normal, this is not normal, like this is a pandemic year, like, you know, uh, it was just especially on Amazon where they were only having essential items you could send in and uh, it was a little bit of chaos. Um, where did you get like the most momentum? Was it certain types of clients that were like the ones kind of like that you were starting to see or was it still a wide variety? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for whatever reason, uh, health and beauty seems to be what comes to us the most. Um, not because we're necessarily targeting health and beauty. Um, but then of course, the more you get, the more you get. So, um, yeah, health and beauty, I, I think too. And, you know, we were talking about this, I think before we started hitting record, but uh, the size of the client, um, looking at that, I mean, people who were smaller, who had, who had products in a store or who, um, were kind of selling them here and there were much quicker to be like, I need to do something right now. Like, I'm not going to wait around to see what happens in the future. Like I need, I need a website. I need an outlet for selling this because whatever I was doing last month isn't working. And that's all I know right now. Like I just need to switch. So, I mean, when you're looking at size wise, like that was the smaller companies, um, in 2020 into that summer and what? even going into, you know, like the black Friday season. Um, yeah, lot, lots of that. But yeah, for some reason, health and beauty is just, um, that's kind of the niche. <laughs> yeah, that, that we end up attracting for some reason. And I mean, it kind of makes sense because um, you're always going to, or mostly you're going to have consumable products in both of those industries. And email really lends well to consumable products because, you know, if you're going to sell, if you have one product and it only, you're going to sell it to somebody one time, like email, following up on them isn't that helpful. So, yep. yeah. So, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, but there are still lots of other niches that we could work with, but we, we seem to attract them for some reason. So you talked about like, you know, you're obviously have your master's in communication, you've been writing. Um, there's a big part to email that's tech, right? There's still like oh, yeah. understanding open rates and understanding like conversions and pixels and all of that kind of stuff. How did you, I guess, get confidence around that area? And then like, as well as like there's Clavio and there's MailChimp and there's like all these different platforms. Um, is that something you had help with or you just kind of dug in and figured it out or like what's really the, the process there? Yeah. I mean a little both. So I started copywriting as basically as soon, I mean for money, like not just for my own brand, but basically as soon as um, I realized that like I had to shut my store down, you know? So that was like maybe early 2015 or something around there. So um, that was a while ago, right? So I was writing for a long time. I was working as a contract, you know, freelancer just for various email marketing agencies, various marketing agencies in general. So, I mean, that was a while to be looking at numbers. Like, because as a writer, especially if you're doing direct response writing, not like if you're doing 
content. But if you're doing direct response writing, like you have to look at the numbers all the time, right? Is like, direct response writing for everyone listening? Is that the same as like sales copy? Like sales, so, yeah. Sales copy? You're getting them to take an direct action. response. You're getting them to take an action right then and there. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, all of the writing or mo- like 99% of the writing that I was doing was really close to the sale versus, um, you know, educational kind of like, or like, yeah, you know, um, so you have to look at the numbers because if you don't, you don't know, you know like, cause it's, I mean, for every brand in every situation, it's not like you're taking, Oh, I used these words before and they're going to work here. Like you have to kind of see. So, I mean, that was something I was already had gotten familiar with over okay. the years. Um, but then also, like I said, I mean, I was freelancing for some different agencies that, um, we're doing a lot of email marketing and I was writing a lot of their emails for them. So, you know, you just start learning those things as you go and, you know, what's working, what's the best. Um, looking at the tech side of things, I mean, we work with Clavio and that they're just hands down, they're the best for e-commerce. Um, so it wasn't really a question when you look. I mean, I had worked with some other, I worked with um, a client of mine was on Bronto. I don't even they don't, they're not even around anymore. And do you know, I don't know if you know about Bronto, but okay. So they were just like, literally their, their logo was a dinosaur. And I feel like it was so fitting because it was just this big complex thing that did like a quarter of what Clavio does in terms of like reporting and segmentation and all this stuff. Um, so I just felt like it was just, it was big and bulky and useless. Like, but Clavio is, is just, you know, they're user friendly and stuff. So the tech side really, I mean, is not scary They've at all. They've made it easy. Yeah. They've made it so easy. And, and that's what you're seeing really across the board, right? Like Shopify, so much easier than, I mean, when I started my store, I wasn't even on Shopify for the first few months. I just like built my own website in the back. And I know, I mean, that was a lot. It was tough and that's not my thing. So you know, but you don't have to do that anymore. There's so many, so many easy ways to go. And, and with all, even all software like integrates and talks to each other now. So the tech side really isn't, I don't know. It's not, it's really not that scary. I think if you dive in and take a look at it. Yeah. There's, um, there's some pretty cool strategies. Like if we're working with a brand that has like, you know, hundred thousand email lists or something, right. Or like 50,000, like these big email lists, um, can really utilize them for product launches on Amazon. That's within terms of service with Amazon too, you know? So there's been several instances where we've worked with some companies that have these really big email lists and trying to leverage leverage all of that from there's pixel tracking now on Amazon and, and understanding kind of like, is there a landing page in between? What are we trying to do? Um, from the outside, I've gotten to play a little bit. And I do know that like if a brand is executing it really well, we all benefit. Um, and one of the major, like, I guess, disadvantages or challenges to the Amazon play is how do you get customers emails off of Amazon? Um, you know, it could be anything like product inserts. It could be like QR codes on the box. It could be, um, you know, lookalike audiences that you're trying to create, right? Like there's certain things you can do there. I'm like keeping it PG here. Uh, but you know, there's like, there's still these, um, there's even email within Amazon, uh, to, like it's not as sophisticated as Clavio. You can't segment it and all of that, but you can have different emails per products and different things like that that plug in. But they're so archaic really compared to like what's out there for the D2C side um, that it's like we keep it more like a touch than it is anything else, like you yeah. know, just the customer touch. Um, but Clavio is still one that 
as I talk to just different even podcast guests or like different founders, like it seems like everyone is is um, using Clavio. I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah, I mean, like I said, hands down, it's the best. And it, I mean, MailChimp doesn't even integrate with Shopify anymore. Um, and they haven't for years. So, I mean, that was the other one that a lot of people were really trying to make work, I feel like, even though it didn't really trying to segment in MailChimp and trying to like automate anything is really not that much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not that sophisticated, but um, you know, they took themselves really out of the game for e-commerce when they broke up with Shopify. So, you know, I, I felt like then made it a no brainer, especially yeah. to go to Clevio. So, okay. So um, before we jump in the next questions, shout out again to our sponsor, fullscale.io helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Um, talk to me about like, who's a good fit for the email lady? Um, like who's a good fit? Is it, is it, uh, you know, service-based brands? Is it, you know, product-based brands? Is it, um, you know, do they need to be a certain size? Uh, just educate a little bit. Anyone listening, like, um, when maybe whether it's with you or, or elsewhere, like when email becomes like something they should be considering. Yeah. Well, I mean, we work specifically with uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands. Like, we're working with brands who at least have some physical products. If that, you know, for most of them, that's all. But we do have some brands who also do some, also have some info products. But really, we're working with you know D 2 C uh, e-com brands who have control of their own site. I will say so. We don't okay. really. It's not that we don't work with people who ha who do also use Amazon, um, but for some of the reasons you mentioned, as it's just so much more difficult on Amazon. Even if you do send out, you know, a product insert, you know, you have your QR code, you have whatever, and you have incentive for them to come back. It's just a it's a lot. It's it's more of pushing that boulder up the hill than if they land on a site that you own. Um, where you can track them and better and you can ask them to opt in and, you know, then when they come back, you can even get more information from them. And it's just, it's just, it works a lot better that way. So that's kind of our sweet spot. Um, yeah. So that's mostly is, is in terms of size. I, so I always tell people, you might not want to invest in email right away in terms of like outsourcing this or something. But as soon as you open, you should be collecting emails, right? And as soon as you start collecting emails, you should have emails to start sending out then. So even if you're just going to set up your automated flows from the beginning, um, so the in even the big ones, you don't even have to do advanced ones. But even if you're just going to do a welcome flow, post-purchase flow, and your abandoned cart flow, even if that's it, right? And that should take you all of a couple hours to do even with even if you're doing it on your own as a store owner who doesn't have any experience, it shouldn't take you terribly long, but bare minimum, like have something, have some touch points for your customers when you start. Um, also have an opt-in box to get people before they actually buy, because you're going to lose people who come to the site who don't make a purchase. And your choice is, do you want to pay to advertise to them again? Mm. Or do you want to send them an email for almost nothing, you know, almost nothing in comparison to that, that advertisement. So I recommend starting with email right away. 
Now, when are you going to start seeing a return on that? Um, it's, I mean, there's not an exact equation, but I mean, I think sooner than people actually might think. So, I mean, I had a brand that I started working with, um, spring of 2020. So, I mean, almost right when I started, they've been with me for a while. They only had one product and they had about 2000 people on their list. And he, the first month that we did email with them, he made his money back on the investment that he put into me and my team and what he was paying Clavio, which, you know, wasn't that much with that list size, but he made his money back, you know, that month that, that we first, the first 30 days that we ran emails. Um, so even with a small list, like you're going to make money if you're consistent with your emails and if you have the right flows set up. And obviously you're going to make a lot more if you have, you know, 40, 50,000 people on your list, but you don't need to be at that size before you start, start using to see it. return. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a comfortable list range that we're pretty sure, like, we're going to make a decent amount of money, like 5000 8000 10000 um, is usually no problem at all to, to, like, start seeing a return on that. So a pretty small list size, I would say, is when you need to really start thinking about it or you're leaving money on the table, you know? Okay, I have, a, I have a, like, a little outside-the-box question for you. Okay. So let's say that a small e-commerce brand is really, like, built on a social media like, right. Uh, it's someone's Instagram, almost all their sales come from Instagram or TikTok or something like that. Um, the thinking being that like you have these customers that are like on social media and that's why you're reaching them. Are they the same customers that then use their email? Um, yeah. and I found that it, it kind of depends. It's like email is a little bit old school. Um, so you have this kind of certain age range of people that have an email that they're using. Right. And so I guess I'm just like, I guess I want from your experience, like, have you worked with any brands that had like a strong social presence that then was trying to get email started? And like, can that be successful too? like, what are some ways to, if you have a bigger social brand, like bring email into that? So, I mean, I haven't seen any brand where email was like, wow, we can't get anything going for you okay. guys. Like, I mean, I think that there's always, and I work with this on, on the opposite side too when talking to people about trying to get SMS going because that's kind of, you know, email's cousin, right? That's that's really also beneficial. Also, you know, we, we do that as well. But because um, on that side, there's this idea that, well, I work, my customers are like over 40 or something. They're not going to open their text message. And again, and I don't wrong. view that to be true. And I don't view it to be true with email for younger too. So speaking specifically about like um, brands that have, yeah, I mean, I would say most of our brands in, especially the beauty space are getting, most of their customers are coming over from social. I mean, that's pretty much mainly where, uh, you know, influencer marketing is big and they're sending people over. So even if it's not coming from their social account, but it's, you know, it's coming from whoever they're working with. Um, I'm not seeing those brands as standing out in any way of being more difficult to get them to respond to email. I think that, I mean, if as long as you're working with people who 
are adults, you're selling to adults. I mean, I think for the most part, people have an email, even though, yeah, it might not be the primary form of communication. I mean, I think they're still opening their email for things like, you know, the receipt even that they're getting from you. True. I mean, they're opening their email for a lot of things that they need to open their email for to, to just to function. And they're, if you're doing it right, like you're going to be in their inbox and they're going to see you. So if they're interested in your products, if, if they're interested in whatever you're offering, whatever solution you have to whatever problem they have, you know, you're, you're going to get their attention. Okay. So. No. That might've been straightforward, but for me, you know, just thinking about how we, I spend a lot of time thinking about how all of the different channels come together. And, you know, yeah. um, so for Amazon, you know, it could be like, we're trying to get them to register their warranty on the website, right? Or we might be trying to get them to get, um, you know, signed up to our newsletter for the next release. Or, you know, we do a lot of the same things that you would do in D2C. We're just doing it on Amazon, trying to get them to come over to D2C. A lot of people think, oh, Amazon will cannibalize my website. That's not the case. Like if you're doing it right, you're right. trying to build both of them, right? And, um, you know, people understand that. So what are all the ways that you do it? Maybe you have custom on the website, but not on Amazon. Maybe you have a limited number of SKUs there, but not there. You know, maybe you're getting, you can actually buy just the bulk on the website. Or like, there's all these little things you can do if you're really engaging with the customer over a long period of time um, where you're trying to get them to the email, right? Like uh, one that was really big for Amazon brands was um, the chatbots. Okay, so getting their email through the chatbot, of course, but like these chatbot sequences that were like engaging with customers on Facebook or wherever. And the goal is to get an email to then do launches with under email. So like, you know, I've been doing this a long time and seeing some of them, like how they're executing. Um, but there's like, there's so many ways to get them across, to get them across. Like, let's say you're selling a product and, um, you know, you're trying to have customers take a picture, like user generated content. You want them to take a picture or a video with your product. Well, if you can get them to tag you on Instagram and you're giving them a free product or something like that, and you're getting them to take a picture, tag you on Instagram. Well, technically now you've got the Amazon customer on social, not email, but you're one step away, right? Yeah, so it's, you're moving there. <laughs> it's really all these different things that are like, you know, how do we just get to be able to stay in front of them again? Um, you know, Amazon has a subscribe and save program, which is kind of similar to a um, maybe a retention program on email, um, but we include inserts to have them come back to that, you know, those kinds of things. So there's, um, I'm always wondering just like how, how the best of the best are really executing across multiple, because typically if we're working with a decent sized brand, I'm not talking to the owner operator that set everything up, right? They've got an agency for this or a consultant for this or a consultant for this. Um, so unless you're in there setting them all up yourself, it can be difficult to, to find. But one thing that might be interesting for you um, and for our listeners, is like probably the last six months, um, Amazon has a program where if you have brand registry, which is a trademark uh, as a brand, um, if you're sending traffic from off of Amazon to Amazon, let's say an email blast. Hey guys, we just, just to let you know, like we just launched on Amazon. We'd love if you supported us there, you know, um, that's an example. And if they come over and buy, or a lot of times you'll, you'll send out an email blast. And if you're also on Amazon, even if you're sending traffic to the website, um, there's a certain amount of them that will search you on Amazon and buy you there. Right. And so if you're set up correctly, you can actually get 10% back, uh, from Amazon. That's a program they have. So, these are things that as business is getting harder, um, you know, and you're like, well, why would I want to send that there? Amazon takes more fees. And well, there's this momentum play on Amazon that doesn't necessarily exist on a website, which is like an algorithmic scoring. Um, 
but I get just super fascinated with how, um, you know, you can utilize email or social or these things really to like create this holistic, this holistic brand. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I'm obviously a big fan of email and I'm SMS, but I mean, that doesn't mean that you're just going to do that and nothing else, right? Like, I mean, that's the thing you have to, you really want to get in front of people anywhere you can, because it's not just does person A only go on Instagram or only go on TikTok or whatever. They're probably on multiple channels. Mm. And the more they see you, I mean, the more you're top of mind and the more they're coming back to you and the more they're going to feel that, you know, that connection to your brand. So, I mean, email is just one of those ways. One of the reasons I really like it, though, especially for e-com stores, for D2C stores, for e-com stores, especially that are um, smaller, is it's a, it, there's just a very low cost to it. So, I mean, if you're if you have a physical product and you're already, you know, you're watching your margins, you're you don't have like investors and stuff, you know, you're doing this yourself. Sometimes it's a it's it's really difficult to get in front of people on those social platforms. And once you once you do and once you build your following and stuff like that, that's also great. Um, but email costs so little for these brands that it's like and it, it does drive a lot of sales. I mean, really, we're looking at brands getting no less than 20% of their sales coming, you know, being generated through email. Okay. That is our minimum, minimum, minimum benchmark. Like, we don't wow. want to see anything go below that. But a lot of times it goes quite a bit above that. So, I mean, you don't want to ignore it. Even, and even if you have it in your head, like, oh, well, my people come from social, like, that's fine, but you know, you don't want to exclude email because it's, it's, yeah, like I said, so low cost. It's just money sitting there. I feel right. like that you it's just all about 10% from here and 20% from here and 15% from here and 10% from here diversifying. Oh, so, if yeah. so if Amazon comes down hard or, you know, like if you're an Amazon seller, so there's a lot of very successful Amazon sellers that are just on the Amazon. Well, they, you know, they obsess about, well, what happens if Amazon takes me down or like, you know, so that D to C and getting their website and getting their sales and marketing working well off Amazon is really important to a lot of them. Um, and it's just like they become experts at Amazon, but they're not experts at everything online, you know? Yeah. So, um, no, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So we're coming up on time and I want to give you just a couple of minutes to, you know, what would be something you share with any female founders that are, you know, maybe have. Uh, maybe they're single moms or have a little toddler or uh, maybe they're not. And they're just like, you know, looking to get started out there um, or people that are looking. So one to the females, uh, because I know it's a passion of yours. And two, um, to anyone just looking to get started in email, like where, how should they get started? Okay. So first, um, I don't know, for females who want to jump in, I mean, I think there's a lot of fear around sometimes um, the unknown for anybody, not not just for women, but there's this fear of the unknown. And if you've been sitting around listening to the podcasts and listening to, you know, checking things out online or whatever, um, most of this stuff is not nearly as scary as it appears, I think, before you jump in and, and look at it. Um, and it's also, I mean, maybe I'm a nerd, but I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's fun to play around with and to you know, kind of experiment. That's all marketing is, is experimenting and seeing, you know, what works and testing it out. So to me, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, why not? Um, second question, if you wanted to get started with email, 
I mean, like I mentioned, I think if you have a business, um, obviously, like I said, I focus on stores with physical products, but anybody really who has a business, you want to own something, you know, you want to own your list. You want to own a portion of your revenue at least because exactly what you were saying, Amazon can take you down. Instagram can change their algorithm. TikTok can just go away. Like we don't know what's going to happen. So you want something that you own. So if you want to get started with email, um, find a, a simple email service provider. I definitely recommend Klaviyo if you have okay. an e-com store. Um, but if you, if you're, you know, like active campaign is easy to use. Like there's a bunch of really easy ones to use that you can just start right away. The first thing I would say, you get a pop-up. Um, people think pop-ups are annoying, but they work. They work way better than an embedded form. So get a pop-up, start collecting your emails, um, collect them at checkout, and then make sure that you have those touch points. Like I mentioned, at least have your welcome uh, flow, have your abandoned cart flow, have your post-purchase flow at the very, very, very least. There are many, many more flows that you can do and that you should do, but at least have those as just a touch point for before they purchase, right after they purchase, and if they abandon your purchase. If you want to go uh, a little further, you can go if they have lapsed on their purchase. You know, that's the next one I would set up. Um, you can also do one if they view a product and don't add it to the cart or whatever. There are, there are so many options, but okay. just do the basics and just let that sit in the background uh, until, you know, you're, you start building up um, a following, you're building up a list, and then you can go back and start adding to it. And I think you'll actually be surprised at the money that just those flow, just your welcome and your abandoned cart flow will generate for you. Um, even if you just set it up and don't touch it for six months while you're working on starting to send traffic over to your site. I think you'd, I think you'd be surprised. Sandy, thank you so much for all of that. I think it's going to be very helpful to a lot of people. Um, very knowledgeable and I appreciate your time. Um, and, and shout out again to our sponsor for today's episode, fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Um, Sandy, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Awesome. We'll see you next time. Hustlers. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>